Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and now the Joe Biden presidency. We will be looking at how a 78-year-old president will change America and we'll be asking if normalcy, which is what he promised to bring, has returned to American politics. The answer, of course, is no. I'm joined today by Amber Athey, who is Washington editor of The Spectator. And we're going to be talking about the crunch runoff races in Georgia today. So, Amber, tonight, if the things go smoothly, late tonight, probably, perhaps tomorrow, or perhaps even later, we will know the result of these two Senate runoff races in Georgia. And it's fair to say they are fairly crucial because if the Democrats manage to win both, they will have, assuming that the presidency goes to Biden, as seems to be inevitable now on tomorrow, and then and then he's inaugurated on January the 20th, uh, the Democrats will have the presidency, the House and the Senate. So it's big stakes. How likely do you think it is that the Democrats will win both seats? It's going to be so close. And, you know, I think they have probably a better chance in the Loeffler race, if only because Ralph Warnock appears to be a stronger candidate. He actually has ties to Georgia. John Ossoff is sort of this elitist Georgetown grad, at least that's the perception of him on the campaign trail. But I will note, if you look at the way the votes shook out during the initial election before the runoff, Kelly Leffler only got 1.3 million votes to Warnock's 1.6 million votes. But there were also a million votes that went to Doug Collins, who was trying to knock out Leffler. He was a former congressman uh, running for Senate. So if all of those individuals do come out to vote and they are dyed-in-the-wool Republicans who are willing to vote for Leffler, then she could very easily pull this out. And polling in the Purdue race is very, very close as well. So this is not a foregone conclusion either way at this point. I think this is going to be a really tight race on both counts. And everybody assumes that the Trump, uh, let's call them shenanigans, I, th- I know that word will annoy some people, but a lot of the sort of noise around the election that Trump is making, and particularly around what happened in Georgia in the presidential election, that that could have negative consequences for the Republican Party in this Senate race. It's quite a complicated dynamic, isn't it? Because a lot of the people who support Trump are now opposed to the GOP. They want to punish the GOP. And at the same time, Trump will be mobilising Democrats who will be angry that he's not accepting the result. It could go in lots of ways based on how Trump's behaving. Yeah, I think it's more complex than people are making it out to be. On the one hand, obviously telling people that their vote didn't count in the presidential election is not going to make them feel very confident in going out to vote again in this runoff. So that could potentially lower turnout for Republicans who feel like, what's the point if people aren't going to fix the voter fraud that happened during the presidential election? I have no faith that my vote's going to count now. But then there's the other dynamic of Leffler and Purdue both said today that they would be willing to challenge the election results with these other senators and Republican congressmen that have promised to do so. That could potentially be something that ignites Trump's base, who's been really angry, especially with the, George, the Georgia Republican Party and Governor Kemp for their unwillingness to, to really 
in their view, investigate this thing properly. So we have two really competing dynamics here. It, it seems to me, although I realize it irritates a lot of people, it seems to me quite a reasonable compromise that a lot of these senators are making. I don't know, is it about 13 now, 14? Republican senators are now saying that they won't approve the vote unless there is. it's agreed that there should be a commission, a proper investigation into voter fraud. I mean, I don't know what I think about the extent of voter fraud in the election, but it seems to me a commission would be a good way of addressing the concerns of potentially 70 million Americans. Why do you think it's driving people so crazy that this is what certain senators are demanding? Well, Democrats have been warning for basically the entirety of Trump's term that if he were to lose re-election, he would refuse to leave office there would be a coup and it would require the military to come in and boot him from the White House. So for them, this is basically the realization of their fears, but their fears that they have pretty much created themselves. I don't think anyone who actually knows Trump thinks he's not going to leave office, think he's going to launch a coup, but that's where we're at now is, is that's the perception from many on the left that Trump is going to somehow seize power illegally. I think what the senators are doing is as you said, pretty reasonable. If you look at Josh Hawley, who I believe was the first senator to sign on to this effort that was started by the congressman, he's not really even saying that he wants to overturn the results of the election. His uh, focus is actually pretty narrow. He wants an investigation, particularly into Pennsylvania, where I think there was evidence of fraud. And if not outright fraud, then a very sketchy changing of the rules at the last minute where people were allowed to cure absentee ballots when they weren't able to in previous elections and all these other funny things that went on, poll watchers being kicked out of their polls. I know several people personally who went to vote in Pennsylvania and were told that they already voted. So I think it's reasonable, again, for the Congress to investigate this and find out where exactly the fraud occurred and how to fix it, even if that doesn't necessarily mean overturning the entire election and keeping Trump in office. And you suggested that Purdue has a, is more likely to win than Loeffler. Uh, these are the two um, Republican Senate candidates. Wh- um, why do you think that is? Is that because Purdue is more likely to turn out the base? Uh, there seems to be a lot of suspicion around Loeffler as a sort of elite figure. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Loeffler had some issues during her term because of the perception that she was uh, trading stocks based on insider information. Um, She claims that she doesn't actually control her stock money and that that's all done by an independent financial advisor. But the perception was still there, and that is going to obviously not be a very positive image for this working class base that needs to come out that uh, is large, largely consisting of Trump supporters. And then the other thing that's to Loeffler's detriment is that she was appointed for her first term. She did not win an election. So she might be looking a little swampy to some of these people who are looking for more of an outsider candidate. So if you're a Georgia uh, Trumpist and Purdue wins and Loeffler loses, that's the kind of ideal result because you don't get Kamala Harris deciding how Senate votes because in a, in a tiebreaker, Kamala Harris would be the decisive vote as vice president, right? Yeah, I think either way, you, you probably want one to win and one to lose. Yeah. Um, if, if both win, I think that for Trump supporters, at least, who are upset about the results of the presidential election, if they both win, that feels like rewarding a party that didn't fight for them properly in the aftermath of what happened uh, there. And 
I mean, it is fair to say, though, isn't it, that the Republican Party is not quite as weak as a lot of Trump Trump people make out. Um, it's not as institutionally weak as a lot of Trump people make out. It does still have an organisational structure. It still has a lot of people who will turn out and vote Republican. I think there is this perception that without Trump, it's a dead beast. Yeah, I don't think that's right. But the question is, is the organisational structure of the Republican Party going to be able to keep these Trumpers on board? And that can happen without Trump, but the Republican Party has to be smart about how they handle things after Trump leaves, or if he ever leaves, so that these people don't feel like they were betrayed by the party. Because many of these people who I've spoken to who are Trump supporters, who feel disappointed with the way the party has handled this, are more than willing to jump ship or just not vote at all. And I think the, the... sort of canary in the coal mine for this happening is what's been going on with the viewership on Fox News. After the election, when they called it for Joe Biden, people were leaving that network in droves to go watch Newsmax and One American News, and that reflected in Fox News's ratings. And they've been struggling to bring back that viewership. They sort of have this, I would say, kind of arrogant outlook that, oh, well, these people will come home. We don't really have to worry about them because they're so tied to us, but that hasn't really happened in large numbers yet. And I think the same could be said for the Republican Party if they don't properly, you know, make these people feel like they are they're fighting for them. But but I mean, it would be fair to say that if the Republicans do not turn out more substantial evidence of fraud than they so far have, I know there has been evidence, but if they do not, then I think spending the next three years claiming that voter fraud swung the election when it it can't be proven that it did would be a hiding to nowhere and perhaps a lot of these people that were very upset at the time will start to sort of come to terms with the with the loss and and move on we'll see um you're a bit more optimistic than i am i i think that these people are really at their breaking point a lot of them and there's not really any moving on from what they feel was a a stolen presidential election. I mean, how do you really move past that? If you truly believe that there were enough fraudulent votes to cause your guy to lose and that this was sort of an institutional effort by the Democrats to change the rules last minute or to count votes that shouldn't have been counted and that this was something that was stolen from your guy, do you really move on from that in a couple of years? I'm not so sure. Well, one thing is certain that any uh, major Republican Party figure who is seen to be not just not loyal, but treacherous towards Trump in the coming days, will be destroying his uh, chances of becoming, uh, let's say, a presidential candidate in 2024. And that's why you're seeing a lot of these senators now saying uh, they want the commission or they will not support Joe Biden's presidency. What do you think happens to those people once, you know, once, let's say, Biden is confirmed? I think they do quietly move on. They accept that the election is over, maybe not necessarily that there wasn't fraud. I think they will. I think that actually quite a few of them will continue to say that there was significant fraud, but they will no longer be trying to overturn the results and things will go relatively back to normal. What I'm most curious about is four years from now in the 2024 election, let's say Trump decides not to run again, he will probably still be a bit of a kingmaker in terms of who the preferred candidate is because he's still incredibly popular in the Republican Party. When these people go to run in 2024 and they have this on their record that they were 
going to challenge the certification in the Electoral College of the presidential election? Does that help or hurt them in 2024? That's going to be the ultimate question, I think, because a lot of these people are making the calculation that this is going to be beneficial to them. Certainly now, if they have races coming up and they need to fundraise and they need Trump's endorsement, and maybe they're making the calculation, too, that in 2024, Trump's still going to be a really outsized figure in the Republican Party, and doing this will be really helpful for a potential presidential race. But four years is a really long time, and a lot can change between now and then. So um, I'll be interested to see if that's still the case four years from now. That's certainly true. And I, and I suppose the big question that we'll be able to look back on in four years' time is, were these people uh, maneuvering for a vice presidential slot, or were they thinking... Uh, did they have their eyes on the biggest prize? Yes, exactly. Um, if Trump runs again, then obviously this calculation would work out perfectly because he's going to be looking for someone who's very loyal to him. In 2016, I think he was more making a calculation on, on voter turnout when he chose Pence because he needed someone who was part of sort of that Republican evangelical base who maybe was a bit more establishment but was willing to play ball. Mm. In 2024, if Trump comes back, I have a feeling he'll be a bit more no-holds-barred no and he's going to be looking for someone who's willing to fight alongside him and be a bit more vocal. Speaking of Pence, uh, I noticed that uh, in, let's call it sort of Trump land, there's a lot of Judas talk about Pence already, that he's going to betray Trump, which is odd because, you know, so far Pence under quite a lot of pressure, has been amazingly loyal to Trump. And I don't think there's any been any clear indication uh, that he is going to betray his, his master. I don't think so either. And I kind of wonder what the benefit of Pence doing that would even be, because it seems unlikely at this point that he has many further political ambitions. I doubt that he's going to run for president. He might run for president in 2024. I don't think, I haven't gotten the vibe from him that he's that interested in that. And it's not like he's going to go back to the Senate or Congress after being vice president. So, I mean, what would he betray Trump for? A cable news uh, contract? I think Pence could could do much better being a private citizen if he stands by Trump and is loyal to him than if he betrays him. There were reports today, actually, it was actually started by Senator Chuck Grass's office, where they suggested that Pence was not going to be present for the the challenge uh, on Thursday of the Electoral College results. And then Grassley's office quickly clarified after news reports saying that there was no indication that Pence wasn't going to be there, but that they were prepared in case he didn't show up. So it's all very weird. I'm sure that's going to make people feel a bit nervous as well about Pence's loyalty. But at this point, it seems like he is go he's going to show up and maybe Grassley's office just spoke a little bit out of turn. There's a lot of very weird manoeuvring going on, that's for sure. But presumably Pence can um, look at the example of Joe Biden as someone who was a loyal vice president who uh, then reaped the rewards perhaps four years later than he, was, he might have wanted to at, at first. But Amber, I know you don't like getting dragged into making predictions, but I'm going to finally ask you to uh, make a prediction about tonight. Will the Senate be come tomorrow, if we have a result by tomorrow, uh, will the Senate be split 50-50? Will it be 51-49, either Republican or Democrat? Uh, sorry, it can't be Republican or Democrat. 51-49 Republican, or will it be 48-52 Republican? Well, I do think that either way, it's not going to be split. My, my gut instinct is that if, pe if people turn out in certain ways, 
it'll be for both candidates, not just for, for one candidate. I don't think there's going to be really a split ticket. So you'll either see both Republicans win or both Democrats win. And I do think it's important to point out that we probably won't get results tonight because of the way that Georgia counts votes. They are not allowed to start counting absentee ballots or early votes until after the polls close on election day. The only thing that they're actually allowed to do is start processing absentee ballots, which basically means checking signatures. So this could very well be another presidential election night scenario where we're waiting a couple of days, if not a week, for results to come in. Yeah, I think we've got to all abandon this quaint notion that you get results of American elections within, <laughs> within you know, 48 hours. Yeah, it's 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 quite a mess. <laughs> Amber, thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's speak soon. Thanks, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. 